0: everybody. This is Sandra Beck, and I have such a great show today. I have a wonderful special surprise co-host. Her name is Angela Breidenbach, and she's amazing. She's written tons of books. She is the president of all sorts of cool things. I'm going to butcher her introduction today. So I'm just going to throw the mic over to her and have her introduce herself. And we're also going to be visiting with author Terry Reed, And, you know, it's super fun because these these summer shows about books. Angie, they're just so much fun to do with you. I look forward to our June or July every year. We always have a good time. So tell everybody how wonderful you are. <laughs>
1: oh. <laughs> Hi, my name is Angela Breidenbach. I'm the president of the Christian Authors Network, and I'm also a member of the Faith, Hope, and Love chapter of Romans Writers of America. And um, we're being visited today in my office by Muse, my feline personal assistant. <laughs> He's literally over here yowling at me to give him treats, and he's already stuck his face into my water. So if you guys think that there's anything going on in your world that feels out of control, trust me, mine just went wonky. So oh, I,
0: love that. I have a surly, grumpy middle schooler who has to vacuum the van and you would think I'd asked him, you know, to climb Mount Everest. And my other one is upstairs. I can hear him rattling because I think he just dropped a bar of soap. The, his bathroom's right above mine. And I say, look, the only time I don't want you to take a shower is when I'm on the air and I just heard clunk. <laughs> oh <my gosh. laughs> so well, i terry had the reed. Need. terry reed welcome to the show what what wonderful wackiness do you have today in your household
2: well hello thank you for having me today oh gosh i have two dogs that are very dependent on mommy <laughs> and don't like when mommy goes away into her room without them so you may hear them barking um, one is blind and so he doesn't know where i am and the other one's a big australian shepherd who just oh. barks because okay, well, <laughs> well you, you know, know what? That's it's okay. Australian really Shepherd,
1: and they yeah. do bark a lot. They're they are so smart, and they have to be kept busy all the time,
0: just like they us. Do. That's
2: right. That's right. So I do agility with my big dog. So that's our that's my hobby. <laughs>
0: that's really i mean i just i have three dogs i have we have chicken nugget sophie peanut and sally and sally was a deployment dog that came to live with us and never left wonderful yeah and and chicken nugget belonged to an air force family and so we adopted him when their family moved overseas and um he looks like a chicken nugget he's chicken nugget (laughs) colored he's like this random collection of dog parts but he is (laughs) the most oh he's got one big ear he's got one little ear his Front feet are short and turned out, and his back feet are like long terrier feet. So he kind of looks like an RV that's not balanced properly.
1: <laughs> <That's> <laughs> but you know, funny. he's a
0: lovable dog, and they're a big part of our lives. So any animals that want to come on the show today and lend their voices, we're happy to have them.
1: <laughs> I'm very right will. now. I'm bribing him with some kitty
0: treats to keep him kind of away from my keyboard because he likes. mean I eating. would be squeaking him, like I'd be squeezing him to make him squeak. I used to do that to my kids <laughs> when they were little. I'd be like, "Mom, you know, Zachy's laughing," and I'd be like, tickling him, tickling him, trying to get the phone to his head to, to for him to laugh to her. Um, which probably could constitute child abuse today. I don't know. <laughs> you never know what of these days. <laughs> so we're going to talk books today, ladies. Um, yep. Gosh, you know, Angela, how many books have you written? I'm on my 18th. 18. And, and Terry, how about you? i in this week. I
2: believe it's 47, but it might be 48. I'm not sure. I mean, that's wow. crazy, you guys. I don't think
0: I've done 48 <laughs> sit-ups or, you know, like 18 <laughs> laps around the gym, much less written this many books. You know, I want to know some secrets because I did. I, I actually wrote a book. I wrote a bunch of books in my 20s. I haven't done anything for 20 years, and I recently finished one. And it was a little bit like pulling teeth, and everything had to stop. You know, like the house didn't get clean. I still had my company to run and do everything. And I gained four pounds because I wasn't hitting the gym normally. I teach spin, I go every day. So, pretty much I got fat and the house went to like crap and the kids got annoyed. So clearly I'm not doing something right. So how do you guys do it? How do you guys wrap it into your day? I'm going to go to Terry Reed first. Yeah,
1: please do. I want to hear what she has to say.
2: (laughs) (laughs) It's not glamorous, let me tell you. So writing is my job. And so that's kind of how I approach it. But you know just i work from home so there's still laundry to do and dogs to take care of but i try to be at my desk from at least nine to about three or four but that also includes getting up and taking the dogs out going to agility practice and when i remember to eat eat <laughs> yeah. so you're talking about gaining i lose weight when i'm writing because i forget to eat i'll just go all day and find Nighttime, I'm like, I didn't eat today. Oh no!
1: I've so. had that happen, but then my writing really goes downhill because my blood sugar goes low. I've had low blood sugar my entire life since I, you know, and uh, if I don't eat, I will. I you never know what's going to show up on the
0: page. <laughs> <laughs> I have bag of Skittles. Sleepy, like the big bag of Skittles, tropical fruit flavor, got me through, and I would just eat one every now and then, which is probably why I gained four pounds, but. <laughs> you know, it's, it's not easy. Now, how do you guys handle, I have a hard time sitting still. And if I sit still for too long, like my legs stop functioning. And then I get up and I walk around like Frank and mom for like, (laughs) you know, like an hour or so till they warm up again, you know, do you guys get up and take breaks? Do you just sit there till your legs go numb? I mean, what do you do?
2: I get up because I have the dots. So (laughs) They don't let me sit for more than, you know, half hour, 40 minutes before they want to be let out. So I have to go let them out and so then I come back. Though when I the big dog gets to go out on an adventure every day so that I do get some uninterrupted time to write and I can sit for hours on end. So actually my husband just bought me a stand up desk because he said I have to start learning to write standing up.
1: <laughs> be careful of that though because um, standing too long Without moving can can be difficult too. So kind of vary it, if I might suggest. I I used to coach um, physical fitness and oh okay, um, vary your sitting and your standing. So that's what my chiropractor
0: said. So yeah, yeah,
1: it's really important for your for
0: your back for everything. So yeah. Um, Well, I try my dad's peddler, like he has this little old man that you put at the foot of his lazy boy and he'll pedal. But I end up like banging my knee on the desk, (laughs) knocking over my water bottle. Like it's really not productive. Um, you know, but I am grateful. (laughs) You know, I'm grateful we get to work from home. Aren't you guys grateful? Oh, Um, I love it.
1: So I'm trying to follow my circadian rhythm where I do things in 90 minute increments. And um, just kind of paying attention a little bit more to that. Because if I get up every 30, 40 minutes like Terry does, I lose my train of thought. Me too. And I've started to recognize that if my body needs to go through these um, cycles, it doesn't just do it at night. It's doing it regularly. So I'm trying now to do, because I tried the hour on and 10 minutes off. And it just, it felt very disruptive. So I'm trying 90 minutes on, 15 minute break. 90 minutes on, lunch, 90 minutes on, 15-minute break, 90 minutes on, get ready for dinner.
0: That's what I'm I trying. i try that because I'm really a programmer cool. by trade. So I do this like, kids, I'm going in my sensory deprivation tank. Like I pull down the shade. <laughs> I sit in my seat with a, you know, like this pillow on it. And then I just block out everything for like nine, 10 hours and usually write till three, four in the morning, but it's code, it's programming. So, but if I get interrupted, I'm like danger, Will Robinson, danger. Like, mm-hmm. you know, I don't know where I am. I I'm in this whole little universe. Um, but speaking of whole little universes, I want to thank our sponsor today, uh, which is Audible, and it's so perfect because our authors today, Angela, you have four books on Audible. Mm-hmm. Terry, you have two books on Audible. So uh, Angela has Eleven Pipers Piping, The Debutante Queen Taking the Plunge, and A Healing Heart. That's Angela Breidenbach. And Terry Reed, you have Mission to Protect and Guardian. So if you guys are Amazon Prime members for a limited time, you can start an Audible membership and save sixty-six percent on your first three months, a total of thirty dollars off that 's like getting three months for the price of one, and you pay just four dollars and ninety five cents a month for the first three months, and after that it 's like fourteen hundred and ninety five a month now this offer is valid july first two thousand and nineteen through july thirty first two thousand and nineteen and audible members get a credit every month good for any audiobook in our store and what I like about it guys is regardless of the price you get it so if the book is fifty bucks or four bucks, you know you still you still get it. And I also like that the unused credits roll over. I have been an Audible member since 2015. And if you don't like an Audible book, you can exchange it for free. And Audible has the largest selection of audiobooks on the planet, which lets you fill your summer with more stories like 11 Pipers Piping or Mission to Protect. You know, the ladies that we have on the show today, you can listen to their audiobooks. Now, you're going to want to visit audible.com slash motherhood, that's spelled motherhood, M-O-T-H-E-R-H-O-O-D, or text motherhood, the same word, to 500 to get started today. That's, visit audible.com slash motherhood, or text motherhood to 500 to get started today. And listen to these ladies' books. I do. They're so great, because you guys, I'm busy. I have my technology company to run. I do do syndicated radio. I have two kids. I'm a single mom. I take care of my 88-year-old dad. I have three rescued dogs, and I live on a horse ranch with two acres of brush clearance. So I love to listen to these books because by the end of my tech day, you guys, I'm tired of looking at a screen. I'll be honest. Mm -hmm. I don't want to look at a screen. My hands are often tired. Sometimes if I really worked a long day on the keyboard, I have to put my hands in ice, so the concept of holding a book is really difficult for me. So to have these you know, audio books and listen to them in the bathtub while I'm doing yard work, while I'm cleaning the pools, while I'm drowning out my kids who are fighting, that's my favorite. I just keep cranking it up until <laughs> I drown them out. Um, it's a great thing. So Angela Breidenbach, Terry Reed, check out their books. Visit audible.com slash motherhood or text motherhood to five hundred five hundred to get started today. So girls, let's talk about your books. I mean, this is so phenomenal. What's the total, like 60 some odd books between the two of you?
2: Holy that is cow. true. That's a lot. That's, That's a little
0: of- crazy. <laughs> like you couldn't even read one a week and make it through a calendar year. Wow.
1: <laughs> i know i never crazy? thought of it that way <laughs> i didn't
0: either but that's pretty but hey do that read a book a week that's <laughs> you right. know what i yeah. do i probably read i kid you not i probably read or listen to two to three uh books a week because i get so many guests on my radio show and kara or i'm um, sorry terry this went to new york with me on the red eye you can see my Yay. bookmark in there or your bookmark in there i mean it's really a big deal. Um, when you guys send me these things, I do read them. Sometimes I don't finish them. I'll be honest. You know, there's times I don't finish them before. but um, Before the it, interview,
1: but yeah. Yeah. Sorry, can, can you tell us what your book is about? Because she got your book that I didn't. Uh-huh. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> no.
2: So this is part of the continuity series. So there's eight books in total. And my book is number five.
0: What does that mean? I don't know what a continuity series is. So
2: continuity series is there's an overarching mystery theme that goes through all the books. Okay. Each book is written by a different author and each story has its own hero and heroine and its own romance and suspense, but it incorporates the overarching mystery. And then the mystery is solved in the last book, book eight. So So it it takes eight
0: books to solve the mystery, is what you're saying? Yes, yeah. And are those the same characters? Like, yes. Well, each book has a different hero
2: and heroine. Got it. But all of the characters go in and out of each of the books, so you get to visit with books from the past and get to meet the characters that are coming up in the future books. It's really a fun um, thing that Harlequin does, and I have readers who will buy all the books and then read them
1: in like a big binge.
0: Oh yeah. Absolutely. Binge reading. You got it. Right.
1: Right. So when you're, when you're doing these, um, these series and these books, can you read them independently or do they also cover a time arc just like the, the mystery arc?
2: Yes. So you can read them independently and that's how we try to write them, but there will be clues or, um, mentions of the overarching mystery. But it shouldn't overshadow the story of the actual book. So (laughs)
0: that's some tricky planning. It does. You have to plan out all eight books.
2: Yes, yes. And a lot of the planning is done by the editors. And then they hand it to the authors. And I look at it like solving a puzzle, Mm -hmm. that we have to take all these puzzle pieces and make it into something that's cohesive (laughs) and has a big, pretty picture. (laughs) Oh, that's really cool. yeah, it's it's really fun. This is like my 13th continuity, I think, in the last 15 years that I've been writing. Now, does one um,
0: author write all eight books or do multiple authors write the books?
2: So each book is written by a different author.
0: Wow. Yes.
2: So we have to coordinate with each other and make sure that we're not stepping in on each other's toes with the mysteries or with each other's characters. So we do a lot of back and forth and talking and the other thing about I like about it is that writing can be very lonely. You're sitting in your little cave office for hours on end by yourself. And mm-hmm. there are days when I don't talk to anybody yeah, except my husband when he comes home at the end of the day. So this is a really fun way for the authors to communicate with each other. So we're text or not texting, but emailing back and forth a lot. And then well, we and you guys collaborate. Conference. You're yeah. really a team. Yeah. Right, right. We're a team and it's really fun.
1: So time. do you so this- use just a, an email loop or do you guys just in, independently email or do you use something like groups.io or Facebook groups or?
2: So we we do a loop and we've uh-huh. used Yahoo for years and we just moved to groups.io, yeah. which seems to be working just fine. And so, yeah, so then we all just, you know, whenever an email comes in, we all look and chime in on the question or, you know. It's fun. So you have so, yeah. to keep
0: in mind seven other books by seven right. other authors. Like right. to me, this is like, this is like the Navy SEALs of writers. Like, <laughs> <laughs> you know, cause it's one thing to like get on Scribner, you know, and plan everything out or use some of those things. It's another thing to go, wow, Terry, what are you thinking? Angela, what are you thinking? And then how do we make it all work together? And then right. <laughs> if you were to, sorry, Oh, sorry, but if a character pops in from Angie's book into your book and you need to have dialogue, you need to make sure that that's in that character's voice. Right. And you need to make sure you have descriptions and all that. Um, Exactly.
1: I know on Scrivener you can collaborate on one file, but I think groups.io is probably a better option because you can load files and not interact in somebody's direct script or, you know, that they're – or work in pro I'm I'm also working on screenplay, so brain script. <laughs> 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 Not getting into somebody's um format, you know, and messing it up because you're right. working in their in their right. um book that which could
0: be a real problem. And but, one editor oversees the team of eight writers? Yes.
2: So we have one editor who um she reads all of the books and then we have a, a continuity editor who reads them all, who's looking specifically at the elements that each book is supposed to incorporate and making sure that we're doing that and that it all makes sense.
1: Are they in the, yeah. in the email loop with you guys? No, or- they are not. They get okay. the
2: finished product and then yeah. they, they
0: read it. So yeah. So they don't get confused. I used to do continuity right. for CBS many years ago for oh. uh, soap operas. That was one of my oh, jobs when okay. I worked at CBS and mm-hmm. yeah, you, you got to see it at the end because you just, you literally are a fact checker. Right. right. You've got red hair yeah. in book one, unless you dye it, you better have red hair in <laughs> no, Okay. Book yes ladies I'd like to thank our sponsor today we're being sponsored today by Grove Collaborative and Grove Collaborative is an online marketplace that delivers these all natural home beauty and personal care products directly to your door which you guys know is so great that we don't have to go out and shop and it makes living a healthy lifestyle easy and accessible for you and your family and every product they have is guaranteed to be healthy, effective, eco-friendly and affordable so you can shop with confidence. Confidence. Now, I have to tell you, I love Grove Collaborative. And the website, if you're following along at home, is grove.co. And I want you guys to go there and look because they have so many amazing products. Now, I'm a big fan of uh, Burt's Bees, and I use a lot of their products. So I can get them there all in one place. And I can get things like the tinted, um, you know, the tinted lip balm. I can get that there. I can get um, all sorts of other cool things like the seedling tree-free paper towels. They've got recycled plastic trash bags. They have these cool reusable sandwich bags that I totally dig. And there's all sorts of neat things on there. So not only is it great for your family and great for everybody else, the environment, your pets, you name it, but it's a great place to go to buy gift basket products. And when you're looking for something something unique and something cool, it's really a great place to shop because I get a lot of really neat things there. Some of them you can't find in the local stores, so it does make you look kind of cool. And for a limited time, when your listeners go to grove.co slash motherhood, and they place an order of $20 or more, you get a free five-piece cleaning set from Mrs. Meyer and Grove, and that's $30 value. So go to grove.co slash motherhood and get this exclusive offer, grove.co. C O slash motherhood. You're gonna find lots of cool things for yourself. They've got some neat travel size stuff. You know, it's travel season, so that's always handy. And I really like that they have a lot of unique and different products that I can't find anywhere else. And so go get your free five-piece cleaning set when you place an order of $20 or more. Grove.co slash motherhood. You're gonna be glad you did. So let's get back to talking about continuity because that is really detailed work. I can imagine that it kind of gives you a few gray hairs every now and then. Yes.
2: So that is very true. In fact, I just, today I'm working on another continuity um, and I I have my, one of the characters, she had blonde hair. And then I was reading this description from book eight and I thought, oh, I got to change her (laughs) because that's not her. (laughs) She's no longer blonde. She's no longer blonde. Now she is a redhead. So. So it's funny that you would mention that.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, hair color, eye color. I mean, I've, yep. I've taught those in books before where the character right, right. has blue eyes in the first chapter and then they're green by the end of the book. I'm like, did we have some genetic mishap that I missed?
1: <laughs> I think guess someday that. I want to do a, like a fantasy. I don't really want to write fantasy, but somehow I want to be able to, because I get really tired. There's only so many eye colors, you know, and there's only <laughs> so many ways to describe somebody you know you're you blonde you're brunette you're redhead you know you're light brown hair you know blue brown green eyes you know and it's like how many different colors in the world can you use to try to differentiate your character that that gets difficult and i i don't know strawberry blonde you know and
0: and it seems like um uh, red how about mine mine is like like pool green blonde <laughs> <laughs> I no. yeah. Are your I'm characters sure you could do, train wrecks, you,
1: could do you could do that with a character because you you know, if, if she, especially if if she went and she dyed her hair blonde and she jumped in the pool, <laughs> well, there you go. <laughs> that could be
0: a wonderful character. Um, yeah, that would be my character. Like my character would have the green hair. My character would fall into her mom's grave. I mean, which is a true story. Oh, no. I fall up to my knee. Oh no! And my mom had a great sense of humor, so she would have loved it. No. <laughs> well, you know, when you just so everyone, you know, knows this for the future, when you go to the graveside and they're burying um an urn, they put a table down and then they put a green carpet. Well, I thought the green carpet was to walk on. Oh. But the green carpet's to cover the hole. So, and my brother took a picture of it and put it on Facebook. Oh,
2: <laughs>
0: well, that's hilarious. Yeah, well, I'm I mean, going to happens. use that. Um, Everybody now we're clear. Don't walk on the green carpet. It's there to cover the hole. That's right. I may use that in a book. That may show up. Oh good. Well let funny. me know.
1: Give me like credit for it. But thank you, yes, Sandra Beck, that's for cool. sharing with us. How are that's, you feeling? That's funny. <laughs> and
0: that things
1: fun. though, you know, some people think that funerals and death um are always you have to always be very somber and and in reality some of the best uh situations when you're when you're saying goodbye to a loved one are when you can remember the the funny moments the poignant moments you know and um we we turned for my dad's funeral we actually uh did it disney style because he was a really big disney fan and we wore disney t-shirts and disney oh, outfits and and we told all the funny stories about my dad and i thought it was like a fantastic way to uh, mourn but I think you know when we're writing um, how we write very real is we truly write the, those funny things into existence and you right. know but but you write more suspense right I do yes so I write suspense. <laughs> how do you do you, have you actually lived suspense or how do you uh, write suspense cool. if it's not your everyday life
0: good question
1: Wow yes yeah, so. I have had
2: some suspense in my life. Um, when my daughter was just under two, someone tried to kidnap her. No! So, yes. No. So that was very traumatic, and I think may have started me down the path of wanting to be a suspense writer. Because <laughs> that was, you know, it was a very, very um, traumatic for me. But for her as well, I mean, she, you know, even at not quite two, she understood that a bad man tried to take her. And so, oh
1: wow!
2: Yeah, so that was. But I've. But in preparing to write suspense, I have gone to Citizens of Police Academy for my local sheriff's department, which was fascinating, and I think everyone should do that, even if you're not a writer. It just learning about the different aspects of police work and why it's the way it is, and really learning who these men and women are that are. Um, you know, protecting and serving us. It was quite a great experience. I really enjoyed it.
0: Yeah. I think, you know, what what you're talking about is so important because, you know, I grew up on the East Coast and then I moved to California and the the track home, you know, group that I live in was populated by detectives and firemen because they said if you had a certain level of I don't know, achievement on these forces and on the fire department, you could buy a home for like X amount versus the you know regular people coming in so oh, wow. every third house is like a police or a fireman i have like oh my three cow. la sheriff's department i have like five lapd and then five or six firemen and a lot of those guys marry nurses so if you <laughs> even been to district, have the accident on um yeah. but i had no idea since you know i grew up in a small town we had big john he was like the six foot four new york state trooper and he would pull you over and say, I'm going to tell your mother. And he could. <laughs> he knew everybody. And I'm like, but John, I'm just trying to get home before I ran out of gas. That's why I'm
2: speeding.
0: i speeding. But you see them at barbecues and you see them um, at church. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. all of a sudden you realize, hey, these are somebody's father. They're somebody's husband. Right. They're somebody's brother. And, you know, where I had a big like awakening a big aha. And I really never understood like, you know, when they had a funeral on TV for the fireman or a funeral for, you know, I felt bad and everything, but I never really thought about how the wives and the children had to live with the idea that, you know, and I got this from the military, like mom or dad might not come home, but you know, it's like a long deployment, you know, there's one leave and come back months later in the fire and the police, it's like they leave and every day you don't know because of that danger in that job. And I think that's just, that was something I, I really didn't understand till I experienced it.
2: Yeah, that's a huge um, issue. And I use that a lot in my, as a conflict in my books <laughs> uh-huh. because I mean, my husband was contemplating going into law enforcement. He ended up going into sales, but I remember thinking when we were dating and he was talking about that, I was thinking, Oh my goodness, every day would, I wouldn't know if you'd come back. Yeah. You know, and it's a little scary. And I just, so I, whenever I see police officers and first responders, I'm always praying that they just get home safely and always just say a little prayer for them because their job is so hard.
1: <laughs> yeah. Wouldn't it be amazing if more of us did every time we saw someone serving, if we, We didn't even bother to say thank you. Instead, we thanked God for their service, and we prayed for them and their families.
0: Right, put a hedge of protection around
1: them. Terry, that is a fabulous idea. And if you don't mind, I'm gonna take that idea and do it myself.
2: Yeah, no, please do. I think that I mean, like I said, I I have such respect and admiration for those who serve.
1: Mm -hmm. You know,
2: from the EMT the police chief, you know, it's it's just yeah. I think it's a good idea.
0: <laughs> well and you wrote you must, you know, like you wrote a couple, like I see your mission to protect on Audible is a military K9 unit, and then you have a classified K9 unit. So did you spend time with the military community as well?
2: You know, that one was a huge learning curve because I've written on several of um my canine units are police dogs and police units and FBI units. And I have access to those people in real life just to answer questions. But for the military one, I had to do a lot of reading and research. And then within Romance Writers of America, which is um, part of what Faith, Hope and Love chapter is, um, there are retired military people in there. And so I reached out and got, to talk to a retired colonel of the Air Force and ask her tons of questions. And she was just amazing. Because writers help other writers and that's such the beauty of our
1: community. It really is. Yeah. I was sitting on the plane coming home from uh, Nashville this last week and I'm in the middle of writing a book and it's, a, it's set in Montana territory in 1883. And I have a dog get injured and I'm thinking, okay, I can go home. I can call my vet. I can ask him. you know, what, what could I do? As it turns out, there was a veterinarian sitting right next to me. And so I, I said, uh, You know, I told her, I'm really sorry. I don't mean to be rude, but I'm on a deadline, and I, and I have to work while I'm flying. She says, not a problem. And I said, you know, what do you do? And she says, she's a vet. And I didn't think about it. And I'm like, oh, okay, that's nice. And so she starts watching the show. Of course, in the middle of her show, Who's the one who interrupts me? Because I go, I'm just about to write a little bit about this dog, you know, and I and I go tap tap tap. Can I ask you a question? <laughs> and she had so much fun talking to me about how would we take care of this animal if if such and so happened to him, and you know, yeah, that could work. That would be something I would su- suggest you do. And so it was really interesting how we tap into other writers. But we tap into people around us and have fun uh, learning from people sitting on a plane or from a from a, a policeman or something like that. So many people are so generous with their time, and I think it's maybe a little bit novel when somebody goes tap tap tap. How do you
0: do your job? <laughs> yeah. Well, it's a compliment. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's it's you know, it's like. It, nobody wants to be that person that's like, oh, hey, I'm a writer. Hey, I'm a radio host. Hey, I'm a, a nurse. Look at me. But then when somebody says like, you know, cause most people hopefully do what they love. So you get to talk about, you know, what you love. When people ask me about the radio, I'm like, I get to make new friends every day. Mm-hmm. I get to learn something fun every day. Like how great is that? Now that would bore the crap out of somebody else. But for me, I love it. And or to talk talk about scare it.
1: them to death.
0: Because
1: right. You know, they're like, oh my gosh, somebody's going to see my face on a video. Oh my gosh, somebody's going to hear my voice. And, you know, the first few times, well, the first many times you hear your own voice over the air and you realize that that's what you really sound like to other people. <laughs> no. You know, it's like, am I a squeaky chipmunk or am I
0: a... <laughs> Minnie Mouse, that's me. <laughs> it is. Well, do you guys ever go back and like, I I never, like I've been on the air almost 13 years now. So I never go back to my first seasons in any of the shows because they're just awful. You know, <laughs> I did this one show. One of my first shows was, was with DoDEA and the Pentagon and um, it was the Department of Education and uh, I didn't know any better. And so I'm talking to the lady and she's like, yes, No. well, we can look into that. And I'm like, Oh, I'm dying. Just shoot me now. Like (laughs) it was the longest 55 minutes of my life. And my friend Rick, who was uh, a ex army is like, keep going. You're just, you're just, you're taking hit after hit. Just keep going. (laughs) (laughs) You know, and then you get better at it, but you know, sometimes people will go back and say, Hey, you know, you said this, You know, in a show, and I'm like, guys, ten years ago, I was a different person back then. You guys find that with your writing, like if you go back and look at like something and go, "Ooh, that was kind of cringy," and then like now I wouldn't do that, or do you just blow off and you know keep moving forward?
2: Oh, definitely. I mean, I have grown so much as a writer from the beginning to now. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Even just in the last couple months, I'm like, oh, why didn't I? I I know better than that. Why did I do that?
1: You know, I'm on, I'm on Quora and I, I don't know why I just, like, like I'm curious. So I'm always curious what people are thinking. So I'm on Quora and um, somebody sent me a question that asked me, um, do you go back and read your journals and just throw them away? And my answer is no. Same thing with my books, because like Terry said, you get better and better, you know, the more you do, but I don't throw them away And it came from another writer years ago who said to me, you did the very best you could at that time, honor who you are now by honoring who
0: you were then that helped you to become who you are now. Yeah, because you can't know what you don't know. But I burn all my journals, you guys. I write the most (laughs) awful things. like. I have to be That's in a good funny. mood on the air, you know, sometimes four or five hours a day. So by the end of the day, I have all my meanies and those go right in my journal. Sometimes I'm like grabbing the pen and I'm like, Oh, like <laughs> so So I don't want anybody to ever read them any Wait, ever. wait, wait,
1: wait. I'm gonna give you a tip. Never burn another journal. And here's why. When you're in fiction or creative nonfiction or whatever. Your personality is your voice. It took me a long time to learn that. And whether it's positive or negative or whatever that's in the journal, um, what you have in there is a goldmine of words and terminology. And if you want to create a situation where it's a difficult situation for somebody to get through, you don't want all those marshmallow words. You want those deep, dark, heartfelt words and, and, uh, if you don't know what you normally would say, then it's, it's harder. So I take my positive, my prayer journal, my, my feelings or emotion journal is what I call it for the ones that I want to get all the yucky stuff out. Right. And I look through there and look at what are common words I use. Mm-hmm. And you can take a highlighter. You can take, you can circle the words, whatever. And how do you put them together? You can really analyze your own writing voice through your journal how many words are in the sentence how poetic are you naturally how emphatic are you you know there's so much in your journals to goldmine you don't ever have to show them to anybody but you might want to transfer some of those emotions into a character that you're trying to portray there's
0: my tip yeah no that's a good one I mean when I was my I got divorced Terry when my kids were Two years old and three months old. So oh, wow. I stopped dating. Yeah. My ex husband didn't. So that's always a problem. <laughs> in the that's a
2: great way. <laughs> and, um,
0: I had books and books. I mean, big fat ones too, like the eight and a half by elevens, like you know, the big thick spiral bound ones. And you know, it was really, um, it was hate speech. Let's be honest, like it was like a whole <laughs> book of a hate. And um, yeah. You know, so, but yeah, there's part of me that wishes I had it sometimes, but I did find one that I hid in the back of my closet. Then when I was cleaning out my closet, like five years later, I sat down and read it and I'm like, Oh my God, I was a psycho. Like, <laughs> <laughs>
1: but that's how we get our emotions out and that's how yeah. we learn how we process things and how else are our characters going to process things. So I'm not saying to say exactly what you wrote. Yeah, but But I'm saying examine the words you use and how the emotion poured out of you because then that gives you a really natural way for emotion to be expressed on the page for your characters.
0: So are you guys great feelers? Like, you know, do you feel a lot of feelings? Is that a big part of your writing or are you like a secret closet sneaky feeler? (laughs) (laughs)
2: That's funny. Um, I would, well, for me, I... I think I'm very empathetic. That's one of my strengths for is being empathetic, and I try to incorporate that into my writing and try to really make my characters empathetic, even when it's a character that not necessarily should be empathetic.
1: But they have to make um, them three dimensional, um, right? And if you don't have that empathy with them, it's kind of like the Michael Haug thing of. if you you have to make your character have some likable trait, even if they're the villain, mm-hmm. right. right from the you beginning did. of the story, yeah. somehow you know.
2: Yeah, because no one is all bad. No one is all good. We're, right.
0: You know. No, wait. In my divorce, I was all good. He was all bad. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I know that feeling, and and yeah. learning to that's one thing I like about inspirational writing, like what Terry does and yeah. what I do, because the difference in these books are that there is some sort of redemption or forgiveness some light at the end of the of the dark you know part of the story there has to be a way for that person or that character to find um redemption and not all not all books anymore are required to have you know the the come to jesus moment as we used to call it right right but, but they are required to show consequences and uh, redemption, redeeming
0: of, of something. So well, their values, you, you know, right. like a book yeah, without yeah. values to me, like even like the kids and I watched Shazam last night, totally cried at the end. The kids were like, mom, I'm like, oh, you know, there's foster kids and now they're superheroes, <laughs> you know, and, but it felt good. You know, and there's, you know, I guess the question is, why are you reading the book? Like, if I pick up a love-inspired suspense, Terry Reid, Seeking the Truth, I want to be entertained, I want to be told a story, I want to be able to sometimes cry when I can't, because your books are great for unplugging, like, stopped up tears, but I also want to know that everything's going to be all right in the end, and it gives me hope. Like, that's a big one. So when you guys sit down to write an inspirational, do you have like, um, like a Bible verse or do you have like a, a theme, like, hey, this whole book is going to be about forgiveness or, you know, releasing shame? Like, do you have those high concepts or do they just blow out your fingers?
2: So for me, um, a lot of times the theme will come as I'm writing as the characters start talking and I start to develop who they are and figure out what their issues are. Um, I always know that I'm going in with a happily ever after at the end. I mean, that's just a given, but how I get there will lot depend on what, um, what choices I make as I'm writing and what lessons I want my characters to learn. And that's, I do have some reoccurring themes because they say, you know, writing is cheap therapy. So forgiveness, (laughs) (laughs) Um, you know, trusting God in moments when it feels like everything is just blowing up and there's just no help anywhere, but there is help. And so those are issues that I have that I always seem to somehow work into my writing (laughs) and and have my characters figure out how to get, how to have forgiveness or how to let go and trust.
1: So, Trust is not a, Yeah, I, I would agree. It's not easy, enough. and I think each individual writer does have uh, personal things that they deal with in their own life that naturally comes out in the writing that you don't expect. And I, I just did a big, uh, I did a TV interview for a pilot show. I don't know when it's coming out, but um, the in the host, she was asking me to go deeply into the story of my past. And I, you know, I did that for her with her privately, you know, before we went on air uh, over a matter of weeks, she would say, I need to know more about this. I need to know more about this. I'm trying to decide which direction to take the show. And it was a very in-depth interview. And what happened was time after time, after time, I was completely unaware of this. And now at my age that, um How many times in my life i 've experienced betrayal, mm. and I really didn 't know that and when I went back and looked at all of my different books, it is subtly there, overcoming the pain of betrayal, and I had no idea until I went through that in depth interview mm-hmm. and so each of my books I thought was oh this one 's about forgiveness, this one 's about learning courage, which they are, you know, and you know that right away but Now I'm like, wow, courage, confidence, and, you know, and then you start to candor, you know, and you start to look at each one of those books, and you're like, oh, it's because she was betrayed. Oh, oh, it's because she was betrayed. (laughs) (laughs) But it took me till you know, then and now on the 18th book to recognize that even about myself. So sometimes there's that surface thing that you just know is there. And then there's something that's very subtle that you don't catch
0: until later, and, uh, readers do mm-hmm. <laughs> yes they do but we don't always <laughs> well yeah because you can't work in your business and on your business you know we as readers have this eagle eye view you know it's like I used to sit in English class I went to Northwestern for my undergraduate and graduate night and I was a journalism undergrad and an advertising grad and I used to sit in these English classes and they'd be like pontificating about like what the writer really meant and mm-hmm. I'm like I bet you they just thought it was funny or I bet you they just went with the flow. Like, you know, leave everybody else to determine the themes and the this and the foreshadowing. I mean, I think sometimes you plant those things in intentionally, but don't you feel that they just automatically unfold with a natural storyteller?
2: Yeah, they do. I totally think they do. Sometimes my characters will go off and do something that I had not planned. I'm a, I'm a plotter. So I plot out my stories from beginning to end. Very, very detailed. Wow. And, but my characters will do something or say something, and I'll think, wow, I didn't know you thought that way. Okay, let's explore that, and we'll go off on a little tangent. And so it does definitely come out. Um, and also, I think whatever's going on in our own lives when we're writing will yeah. come out in into the writing. Um, in seeking the truth, um, I was dealing with some very strong emotional anger towards the uh, press, <laughs> towards um, newspapers, and, and just so, not social media so much, but basically reporters. And so what happens? I have a book with a reporter, and I have to make this reporter <laughs> sympathetic and likable. And I'm thinking, but I don't like reporters right now. <laughs> <laughs> so it, it was, I think, you know, God really gave me this book so that I would work out my anger a little bit, and have to get past it.
1: <laughs> I would agree, so. and you don't know what's going on in someone's life. Like um, when I was writing a healing heart, and it's a contemporary romance, which I tend to write more historical romances. You know, uh, we were we were dealing with the loss of a pet dog that was a highly trained, highly beloved dog, and then I got in a car crash, and so it's like, um, and it was pretty damaging one. So you're, you're going through this in your personal life and yet you still have a job to do. You still have to write that book, you know, and, um, and after, you know, we mentioned my dad dying, you know, after he died, it was many months before I could get back to, to writing because I just felt completely, uh, lost, you know, in that time. So you don't know what's going on, you know, in, in that writer's personal life at the same time as they're writing and how that can nuance their
0: work. Well, really, see, I love that because every once in a while I'll read a book and I'll be like, oh, that writer really gets it, you know, especially, you know, for somebody like me, I'm, you know, I, I have a strong tech background, so identifying feelings for me isn't always the easiest. And a lot of times, like I'll process things way after the fact, like when it's happening, I just kind of, I'm like a pillar of salt, like, you <laughs> sit there like completely frozen. And then like, you know, two months later, I'll run it over in my head and then I'll be like, Oh, you know, wow, that felt bad. And then like, what did that? Oh, that felt. And then you get a writer like you guys who, you know, there was one writer and I forget her name, but she wrote a whole thing about losing her mom. And when my mom died, I was like a mess for three years. My mom was my best friend, my biggest champion. She helped me through my divorce. Like, you know, so that hole for me was missing and I didn't realize how much I depended on her and you know, I felt this loss so acutely, but the writer gave me words to go in and talk to my therapist about it. Cause she'd be like, well, I'd be like, I'm sad. She's like, yes, well, what are you sad about? I'm like, I like a stump. And then the writer, this writer that I read, walked me through her whole grief And that helped give the languaging to my own feelings that I couldn't come up with. And that's, that's super cool when you write those experiences that you have from the heart, because you never know who you're going to help.
2: Right. Right. And that's my prayer. Whenever I write a book is that God will use this to touch somebody's heart
1: in whatever way. Right. We don't need to know. Yeah, And I would, I would love to say that I'm constantly praying and constantly thinking that, but sometimes as a writer, just like in any other job, when you're given a deadline, sometimes I'm thinking, "I'm never going to make this deadline." <laughs> I gotta get worse now, now. I that wrong. <laughs>
0: I'm just yeah. being honest here.
1: No, <laughs> I, no, do. no that is- <laughs> I do pray over the over the book and over the words and over the people, but um, then I get I I get that sense of of panic. And the interesting thing I find, and I'm curious about this for you, Terry, is that. That sense of panic is almost a, the thing that drives me to write better. I don't know why. How about you?
2: I'm not sure if it's better, just faster. <laughs> 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 that too. Yeah, yeah. So I, my process is I write a really fast, awful first draft. And I get it out as fast as I can, and then I go back and polish it. And I have critique partners who read it who will, tell, who will laugh at me and say, were you falling asleep <laughs> when you wrote this? I'm like, yes. So you know, it's, it, I layer through it um, multiple times before I send it into the editor. But at some point, you just have to let it go,
0: mm-hmm.
2: especially when it's a deadline.
1: <laughs> I would agree, though. I write a really rough, rough draft. And then I go back and I I layer in. I look for missing pieces. I use the rhetorical device to make it uh, sing when you you know in your head when you're reading it. And um, I've often found great places where I've written ahead in my idea, but not put in what you need to foreshadow. And right. oh, and then you go back and you you know and you yeah. add the foreshadowing in after the fact. <laughs>
0: Right, exactly. As long as it's there. Yeah. Yeah. When I was working on my first book, you know, in my 40s, like in 50s, like not, you know, from my 20s, I was young and foolish and I could just write and not worry about anything. Then I got older and I got a little more self conscious. Um, I worked with a coach, uh, Dr. Geraldine Tegelov, out of Australia. And she had me do the coolest thing, guys. I use it not only for my tech business, but also for my writing. The night before I, I'm going to work the next morning, like at my, I have it on my A-L-E-X-A, which sits next to me, so I can't see her name, or she'll start <laughs> chiming. Um, but I have a reminder that goes out at 1030 to set my intentions for tomorrow. So mm-hmm. I sit down with my, you know, like I, I thank God for all the gifts that I've been given. I really go to this, you know, grateful place. And then I say, God, please give me the wisdom tomorrow to finish my chapter, you know, guide my hands, guide my heart. And I do this for my tech biz as well as for my writing. And I find you guys, I go to sleep and like, I don't know, things are turning around in there. I get up, I blow through my morning when I sit down to do whatever work I intended to do. It's like magic solutions are there for my tech business, but also chapters flow freely. It's not like pulling teeth. So encourage anybody who's a writer or creating anything, you know, whether you write books or digital code, you know, who cares what you write, set that intention the night before and then see what happens. It's kind of cool.
2: I that would agree. Really cool. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to borrow that because I've I pray and then but, and I make a list next to my bed of what I need to do the next day but I don't really pray over the list but I am
0: going to. Yeah, That's just ask God to guide your hands, guide right, your heart. Right. Sometimes I say put your arm around me, keep my hand over my mouth if I'm going to say something stupid on the radio <laughs> no, like <laughs> no, just <laughs> you know, no, I, I agree. There's I'll a subconscious it. thing that goes
1: on when yeah. you when you when you do these things right before you go to sleep. Um, there is a subconscious um, action that starts
0: to create and, and you percolate while you sleep. You do. I mean, I find it really cool. So set your alarm on your phone or set your A-L-E-X-A to remind you. And, I, and you know, and it takes like two minutes. Nobody's saying, you know, you need to be you know, like Leo Tolstoy. You just talk about what you need to do tomorrow, ask for guidance and help. And, you know, I always say guide my hands and guide my heart. That's good. I like that. I like yeah. that all right, you guys. So we got a couple minutes left. We're going to wrap up with the best piece of advice, and we're going to go with Angela first. I already gave mine, which is set your intentions the night before for what you're going to do the next day, whatever that looks like, whatever that may be. Um, Angela Breidenbach, what is your best piece of advice for the readers and and maybe potential writers and current writers that are listening today? Start living your dream now, even if that's just taking a
1: class or reading a craft book. Um, I was 40 in my forties before I ever started actually going after my dream of writing. And I kept allowing people to tell me, well, when this happens, then you can do it. When that happens, then you can do it. But I think those are distractions that keep you from living out the life that God built for you to live and no one else has the right. I don't care if they're your family, your your husband, your wife, your your children, uh, people at work. No one has the right to stop you from living out the life God has given you to live. Start now, even if it's just a, in small ways.
2: Wow, that's really good advice.
0: I know that's a tough one to top, <laughs> Terry. I, I went
2: first. Yeah. <laughs> Well, mine's not quite so. <laughs> I would say for readers, just read, read, don't ever think that reading is not necessary because it it's such a great escape and it's such a great relaxer and a way to relax your mind as well. as your um, For writers, I would say, don't ever stop learning. Mm-hmm. Don't ever stop believing in yourself. Um, kind of piggybacking on what Angela said um and be persistent this this business is a lot about perseverance it is and if if you can't you know persevere through the rejections or through the bad reviews or through just
0: the rewrites
2: the rewrites and just the hard time of actually Getting those words out of your head onto the page,
1: mm-hmm.
2: you know, you just have to persevere through that. Do the hard thing. That's that's it. You just have to do the hard thing.
1: I love that you said that because I've never had a book that I've been writing ever be during a good time. Meaning, it's not ever going to be a good time. Is what I mean, <laughs> right? Because I've either got somebody passing away, somebody's wedding, somebody's. Um, you know, difficult time, uh, change in life that I have to help them with, you know, uh, or I've been in a car accident. There's right. never a good time. Just like right. when you tell someone, when when is it a good time to have children? There's never yep. a good time. You make time. <laughs> That's
0: true. That's true. All right, I guys will. Angela Breidenbach, Terry Reed. Um, thank you so much for being our guest today. Uh, just a reminder to visit audible.com slash motherhood or text motherhood to 500, 500 to get 66% off your first three months at um, Audible. And for those of you that are looking, go to Angela's books, 11 Pipers Piping, The Debutant Queen, Taking the Punch, and a healing heart are on audible and then for terry reed we have mission to protect and guardian and for those of you whose eyes get too tired to read at the end of the day like mine go ahead and pick up an audiobook you'll be glad you did we'll be back again next week